Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we are so, so grateful for what you do, all the blessings that you've shown us just in this past week, Lord, even amongst our fear, even amongst our questioning, Lord, you showed up, and for that, we're so grateful, Lord. There's times like this, Lord, that we just reach our hands out to you and we say, please, Father, just take us. Lead us and guide us and show us what it is that you want for us. And Lord, I know that there's a lot of people that are questioning, that are wanting answers. And Lord, you are the answer. You are the one who has saved us. You died for us. And so, Lord, as we continue on in this next week, Lord. I just pray that you continue to wrap your arms around us. Show us that you are in control of every single minute of every single day when we are at our end, when we are feeling as if we can't stay even in the same house with our family anymore, Lord, that you just remind us that you are there and that you will continue to show us exactly where we're going to be going and that you are there with us and you will never leave us nor forsake us. So Lord, as we continue in worship, may you just open our ears and our hearts and our minds to what it is that you're going to share with us and just help us to continue to rest our eyes on you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So as we continue in worship, we are going to open the scripture now with Pastor Tom. Good morning again. Welcome to worship here at St. John's Online. My name is Pastor Tom. It's a privilege to be in worship with you this morning. A couple of things I'd love to invite you to check out. The first one is we do have an online connect card and uh, we would encourage you to click the link if you're new uh, worshiping with us. We'd love for you to let us know that you're with us this morning so that we can just send you a note of thanks, give you a call. Um, there's a link in the description of the video that you can click and that'll get you to that connect card. That connect card also is our, one of our many tools to connect with you. If you have a prayer request, our prayer team has been working overtime to pray uh, for whatever needs you or anyone you know might have. So please um, fill it out for that. If you have questions about church um, or about ways that you can find resources, that's one of the biggest things that we've been about here in the last couple of weeks, and you can use the Connect card for that as well. Um, also, if you'd like to give an offering this morning as an act of worship, you can do that online. There's a link in the description for that as well. You can scan the QR code. You can even text the number on the slide, and that will connect you to uh, the ability to give. And your gifts will allow us to continue to do uh, what God has called us to do, to bring his word uh, to as many people as we can, as well as tangible signs of his love uh, by serving uh, our neighbors and our friends. And so thank you to those of you who have been faithful in that, and uh, please consider continuing to worship in that way. Uh, but for right now, if you would, uh, open up your Bible if you have one. Uh, we are in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, and we're going to start at verse 32. Uh, so take your Bible out. If you have it on your phone, you can just look it up on the Bible app, whatever it is uh, that makes it easy for you. Uh, you can do that as you join along with us together. Now, um, just this past week, I, I think it was early this week,
week, my uh, wife Alyssa and I decided to get the kids in the minivan. We just needed to go for a ride, and we wanted to physically see um, some of our family, my parents and, and Alyssa's parents. And so we gave them a call, and we said we were going to drive by their house, and that we would say hi to them as long as they stayed at least six feet away. And we said, if you get too close to the minivan, then we're going to drive away like a bank robber. So don't do that. And they didn't do that. And it was really nice to be able to, to connect with our family and to check in on them that way. But on the way back, we, we had some time to kill and, and decided to take the scenic route and since both of our parents live right by the Illinois border, we dipped down and drove past my old high school. And I showed the boys, um, uh, the other kids as well, but the boys are the ones that were really were the ones paying attention. And I think the reason that I thought to drive by there was because it was March, and March is usually when I think about running track. When I was in high school, I ran long-distance track, and March was when the practices started. And so as I drove by the school, we drove past, and I showed the kids all the places we used to run for our practices. And as a long-distance runner, every time we went running, we went running for several miles. And so I drove the several miles that we would run. And I showed them this one place in the path that, that if we were running a, a particularly long practice, there was this bridge that, that we could hide under. And if we hid under it just right, our coaches couldn't see us. And they didn't know that we stopped running. But then I also had to show them how at the end of the path, there was a place where our coach would park his F-150 and he would time us. And he knew that if it took us too long, that it was probably because we were hiding under the bridge. So apparently we weren't the first students to think to do that. Now, it's been a long time since I've run that far. But all these years later, every March, I, I could still almost feel the, the pains that would come in my side as those practices would start and the shin splints in my legs when the weather's just right. I'm taken back to those long, harrowing trails. And, and, and in part, it's because I'm not like one of those natural runners. I, I grew up, I wasn't always terribly athletic. I had asthma, so it was always hard to, to breathe. But, but I did it because I enjoyed being a part of something bigger than myself. I enjoyed being a part of a team. And the pain of the practice always seemed to lead to producing something tangible when it came time to run the race. But it never felt that way in March. Never felt that way at the beginning. Friends, in, in, a, in a much bigger sense, an exponentially greater sense, I feel like the coronavirus pandemic is, is kind of like the beginning of a long practice on a cold day, except none of us have chosen to be here, and we have no idea where this is going to end. And so I don't know about you, but I just desperately want to find that bridge so that I can hide underneath it. And if that's you, and if you feel that way as well, you can click the little like button if you're following along on Facebook with us and just show everyone that, that they're not alone because I'm sure that I'm not the only one feeling that way as well. Now, in part, the reason why is, is because this is hard. And, and it's also because we don't know where we're going, what tomorrow will bring, what race God is preparing us to run in the days to come. 
But we do know that there are some principles that will help us, even in the midst of the unknown, knowing that, that there will be an end to all of this, and that if that be the case, that our job right now is to put ourselves in the best position to endure it, to, to make sure that our muscles are strong and that we're stretching out our limbs so that not only will we cross the finish line at the end, but God willing, we might even grow in the process. And so, so that's where we're leading into today's message from Mark chapter. Chapter 10. It's part of the Serve series that we've been a part of for the whole season of Lent, leading us up to Easter. And again, if you have your Bible open, be sure to open up to, to chapter 10, beginning at verse 32. Now, the context of what's going on here is Jesus is, is walking down the road with the disciples, and they're heading toward Jerusalem. And so we begin at verse 32. It says, they were on their way to Jerusalem. Jesus was leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. Now, he's told them what's going to happen to him three times. So it says, again, he took them aside to tell them. And here's what's happening. I love how simple Mark is in the way that he communicates. Jesus is leading this group of people to Jerusalem, and they all feel different about the journey. Like, you've got the disciples who are in awe, and that word awe is not like excited awe. It's not like, woohoo, where are we going? Awe. It's more of an awe that, that Jesus is leading them to this place that at this point is kind of a boiling point for him. This is going to be dangerous for him to go to Jerusalem. It was a bold move for him to go. And you see that in Luke's gospel. He talks about the same situation and says that Jesus resolutely led to Jerusalem to go where he was called to go. And so the disciples were in awe. But there were others that were afraid. And Mark doesn't tell us why they were afraid, but you can imagine that they were afraid because of where Jesus said they were going and the purpose of their going there. Verse 33, he said, We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will, then they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him, and three days later he will rise again. You know, it kind of makes you wonder why they were following him to begin with, doesn't it? Except that last week when we looked at it in Mark chapter 8, when Jesus was telling them uh, the last time what was about to happen, Peter said, the reason I'm following you is because you're the Messiah. If you look at the Gospel of John, it gets expanded. It says, you have the words of eternal life. We, we literally don't have anywhere else to turn. And I don't know about you, but that might be how, how you're feeling right now. It certainly is how I'm feeling right now. We're, we're here, right? We're together. We're worshiping. And, and we're following Jesus, but it doesn't mean we have a single clue where the road that he's taking us on is going to lead and what leading to that place is going to look like. And so... So I love this section of Mark. I love this section of Mark because we see that Jesus resolutely takes the reins of the journey when we don't know where we're going. He leads the way, just like he's leading the way in our lives right now. When we're afraid, when we're in awe, when we don't have the boldness that he has, he will guide us on the path. And it's because he's the one who's going to pave the way for us to get to the other side by going where he's going. See, suffering and death for Jesus, 
those were the steps that were going to be taken on the path to the destination, which is three days later when Jesus is going to rise. It's Easter. And again, as I said before, this is the third time in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus has explained all of what's going to happen. Basically, he's told the disciples, I live, I'm going to suffer and die, but three days later I'm going to rise again. But just like the other times, they didn't get it. And, and two of them, two of the disciples, even tried to escape the pain and the suffering that was about to come. And they did it by asking probably a question that many of the parents who've been stuck at home with their kids for the last couple of weeks have heard time and time again. Verse 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and they said, teacher, I think of it that way, teacher, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, any smart parent knows never to answer that question with a blank check. Don't say yes, because what's probably coming is some crazy outlandish request, like, can we have ice cream for dinner, right? And so Jesus knows this. He, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Before I say yes, what is it that you're asking me? And they replied, well, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of or be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup and I will drink and be, that you will drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Now, why does Jesus answer the question this way? The reason why is because he knew that the real reason that the disciples wanted to sit at his right and at his left was not because they were ready to suffer with him, but that they wanted to be above the suffering in the first place. They were trying to escape the suffering. They didn't realize that the journey that Jesus calls them on and the journey that Jesus calls us on is not one that rises us above suffering, but he is a God who carries us through suffering. But see, they hadn't learned that yet. And, and so they wanted to be in a position of safety by having power and authority and all of those things. And, and then the other disciples heard that they asked to sit in those places and, and it says that they were indignant, but not because it was bold or rude for them to ask, but, but they were mad because they didn't think to ask first. And so look at Jesus as he's leading them to a place that they don't want to go, and he's assuring them that he's going to rise again. He takes them together like, like a good shepherd, like a good father. He pulls them together, and he explains what's going on. He said, you know, verse 42, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. That's what leadership in the world looks like. That's what getting to that place looks like. He says, not so with you in my kingdom. And said, whoever wants to be great among you. You want to be great, right? You want to be safe. You want to find peace. He says, here's how you find it. You must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave for all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now let me just break this down very simply. Jesus said, you think that by having power, 
You think that by having authority, you think that by having money and comfort and health and position that you're going to come out the other side of this victorious. But I'm telling you that the opposite is true in the kingdom of God. That if you want to get out of this journey, what I am about to pay for you in this journey, which he says that he's going to pay with his life is a ransom for many. What is that paying for? It's paying for the end, which is resurrection. It's freedom, it's forgiveness, it's new life, it's hope, it's eternal life, it's all of those things. And Jesus says that if you want to participate in me with that, if you want to go on that same journey that I'm going on, then you need to do it by serving others, not by being served. Because as the one who you're following, that is what I'm about to do. I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And friends... That's the way we're going to survive this season in our journey as a world as well. It's how God is calling us to survive this season. I know that the destination, that the destination for us in the midst of all of this, in the midst of, of the worst things that can possibly happen is resurrection. It's, it's hope in God. It's his grace. It's healing. It's forgiveness. And I'm telling you that there is a day that's coming that we will get to that place. We will get through this. And I hope that I tell you that every single week that we gather together, we will get through this, friends. We will. But the road to get there is not a robust economy. It is not a bailout. It is not all of the things that we're looking for, that going back to the way things used to be. And I, I say that not as somebody that doesn't want that myself. I want that. I want all of those things just as much as the next person but Jesus says the way forward is through faith, through serving others, and even through suffering. And as difficult as that is, you and I have the assurance as we walk the path and follow Jesus that, that not only we will survive, not only will we endure, but God has shown us the destination to get there and promised to be with us in the midst of it. If I think of the journey of the coronavirus pandemic as a follower of Jesus, I think of our destination as being hope in the resurrection. I think of the journey on the path to get there as being serving others and suffering. And then the vehicle that God is going to carry us to that destination in is, is hope. It's Romans 8.17 that says, Now if, if we are children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, we're going to also share in his glory. We will share in his glory, friends. But we need tools in order to help us to endure and, and to even to, to make the most of our relationship with God and the peace that God wants to give us in the midst of this as we thrive on the journey to get there. And so in that, I, I've invited somebody to, to join us this morning and to share some wisdom. Her name is, is Angela, and she is a licensed counselor through CA Counseling in Williams Bay and, and serves uh, here at St. John's on our family care team. Uh, she's one of the leaders. Her husband, Bob, and she and their daughter, Carly, have been worshiping with us at St. John's for uh, the last couple of years. And uh, so she's going to share with us some, some wisdom of how to how to turn our minds to the hope of God. And so can we, give, can we give Angela a warm digital welcome? Click that like button, click the heart button, and join me as we welcome Angela this morning. 
Mountain Church family. My name is Angela Hogus. I'm a counselor and like all of you, I'm here in my house getting used to a lot of new things like working from a small quiet corner of my house. As a counselor, I spend a lot of time helping people find ways to change stuck patterns of thinking that add to feelings of anxiety and depression. Taking control of our thoughts is a daily battle as it is and much more so in a time of crisis like this that none of us have seen before. As God's people, he gives us the power to tame our unruly, anxious thoughts so that we can grab onto truth and approach the new places that God is taking us as individuals, as a country, and a world. That can be difficult, though, when there are so many available and unhelpful messages, both from outside media and from inside our own minds. Romans 12:2 tells us not to be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I like the way the New Living Translation puts it. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So if we wanna know what God's plan is for us, we have to learn to test the messages that we're telling ourselves and let God change the way we think. What does this look like on a practical level? We can catch ourselves getting swept into panic uh, that we see in the news and notice ourselves thinking things like, I'm stuck at home, I can't go anywhere. Marinating in these kind of thoughts can lead to feeling anxious and depressed. But if we challenge ourselves to let God change the way we think, we can say instead, I get to stay safe in my home. I can go out and take a walk or run errands as I need to. This kind of mental flexibility takes practice and luckily for us, we'll have countless opportunities to practice in the coming days. Let's practice a few stuck to unstuck thoughts. I'm going to get sick. Letting God change our thinking, we can tell ourselves instead, I will follow the recommendations by staying home, washing my hands and taking care of myself. Another anxious thought might be, I'm going to run out of toilet paper or dog food. But letting God change the way I think, I can say instead, I have what I need for now and I'm not alone. I can reach out, I can ask for supplies if I need them. Or there's too much uncertainty, everything is changing. Letting God change our thinking, we can focus on the things that we do know for sure, the things that haven't changed. What hasn't changed for you? What routines and comforts have you been able to continue? What are you certain about? For example, I know for sure that the nature of God hasn't changed or his ability to bring good out of this. Um, for example, maybe I can't be with my son on his birthday this year, but I can find a creative new way to let him know that I'm thinking about him. Um, maybe I am homeschooling my daughter now, and it is challenging for her too, but I'm connecting with her on a new level and getting a chance to add more to her education. Maybe I can't physically go to church, but I can find new ways to connect that I haven't before. And the benefits of these changes can outlast the crisis. Finally, a thought that probably keeps coming to mind for many people, including myself, is that I want my regular life back. I want things to go back to the way they were. Letting God change our thinking, we can be thankful that we have a life that we value and love so much that we want it back. We can also recognize that if we had the capacity to find comfort and joy in the old regular, the regular way, that we have the ability to find it in the new regular or in the days to come. So change has happened and will continue to happen. 
And the more we let God into our thoughts, the more we let God change our thinking, the more we'll find ourselves knowing what he has for us each step of the way and trusting him for the things that we don't know yet. I know for certain that we're moving through this together and I'm working on choosing thankfulness for how God is using this to grow us, his church. His peace be with you. I met with my counselor this week online, and I share that with you in part because I want you to know that, that I too need support, and so I'm reaching out to the people that support me. But I wanted to tell you a story that he shared with me. It was from some leadership book, and it was about a marine biologist who studied beaches in tropical places. And he was on some tropical island, I don't know where, and this massive hurricane was about to hit head-on on the beach that he was studying for the last several months. Now, he got wind of this coming uh, before it came and had the opportunity to fly out and go back home, but he chose to stay. And somebody asked him, they said, why? Like, like this hurricane is going to come, and it's, it's going to upend and destroy everything. What do you expect to find when it's all over? And the marine biologist replied, well, I expect to find another beach. I know it won't be the old beach because the old beach will be gone. It won't look anything like the old one, but I know that in its place will be something new. There'll be a new beach. Friends, I see the coronavirus pandemic as kind of being like a hurricane. It's a hurricane that is going to hit every corner of this planet. It's already caused pain and suffering and grief and even death. And when it's finished, the world is not going to look anything like it looked as we know it now. But after, well, after there's going to be a new beach. There's going to be a new beach. And just like, just like our grandparents and our parents and our, our great-grandparents who went through things like, like World War II or the Great Depression or the Spanish Flu, if, if they lived through those experiences, they came out the other side, changed people. They came out the other side on a new beach. And so we're going to come out the other side as well. This is our time, friends. And we're going to come out the other side in a way that that the way we handle the waves and the storm that's coming at us right now is going to have an effect on what it looks like at the end. And who knows what that new beach will look like. Maybe it's going to look like deeper hugs with our loved ones because we're never going to forget the moments where we went days and weeks and even months not being able to embrace our loved ones but instead had to, to look at them through the window of a car. Maybe it'll mean that we're going to wash our hands more frequently and be more conscious of others when we're not feeling well. I'll bet we'll even use less toilet paper on that new beach. But how we journey through this moment will determine what that beach looks like for you and for me. And so, so don't be like high school track Tom. Don't stop halfway down the path and hide underneath the bridge. But keep running Keep running. Follow Angela's advice because that's what's going to give you the endurance to continue to invite the Spirit of God to change your thoughts, to focus on Him and His hope and the path that He has called before us. It may be downright terrifying, just like the disciples were scared and in awe, but we're not called to live afraid. Jesus resolutely is leading us beyond Jerusalem. And so hold on to Him. 
Hold on to his promises. Hold on to to who he is. Hold on to where he is guiding us. Don't look to be served, but serve. And while we acknowledge what it is that we're losing in this moment, we remember the hope that comes in the end, the sight of what will be found. And that's what this meal represents for us. It represents for us what will be found. That we drink from this cup that Jesus drank from, but But this is not a cup of our blood. It was a cup of Jesus' blood that was shed for you. But for us, we get to drink from the cup of glory. We get to eat bread that represents his flesh as a reminder to us that that's how much God loves us. That he would send his son to die on our behalf. To pay the ransom so that we could go down this path to glory. And so wherever you are and whoever you're with, if you didn't do it earlier, I'd encourage you to run back now into the kitchen and and grab a cracker or a piece of bread. I've got got some some wonder bread. It's, It's the best I could do today. It's all we had left. But it doesn't matter because this represents to us what God really gave us this meal for, and that is to be reminded that he is really present with us. We believe that Jesus is present with us as we partake in this and And I don't know about you, but if you were with us last week, my wife, Alyssa, and I, when we celebrated this meal, we cried because the Spirit of God was with us. And I believe that the Spirit of God is with you and me right now as we take this bread and we remember what Jesus said when he took it with his disciples 2,000 years ago. It was the night that he was betrayed. He took bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat, this is my body broken for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat this, remember me. After the supper, Jesus took the cup of blessing, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, take and drink this cup. It's the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, remember me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we remember the presence of God. We remember the promises of Jesus who said that in this world there will be trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Follow him. And if it's your desire to follow him, no matter who you are, where you've been, where you're going, what elements you're using to partake in this meal with us, we believe that the invitation to follow Jesus and to be comforted by his presence is just as much for you as it is for me, as it is for the world that he died for because he loves us. And the way we receive that love and that presence and that peace is simply by surrendering our thoughts surrendering our minds, surrendering our control, surrendering everything to him. And so I want to invite you to do that with me now as we open up our hands. It's a physical sign of surrender to God as we pray not our own words, but God's words become our words as we pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Thank you, friends, for joining us once again in worship with us at St. John's. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor, give you his peace. In the name of our God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God loves you. We love you. If you need anything at all, would you reach out to us day or night? We are here to serve one another. That's the way God is calling us to get through this. So let us know what we can do to pray and what we can do to care for one another. Go in peace. Have a blessed week. Try.